So in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, uh, God is speaking to Ezekiel and he says, the hand of the Lord came upon... We're just going to go through this. This is the passage of scripture that Max preached from and and, uh, I'm going to unpack it a little bit more. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry, and he said to me, and and we're going to stop right there. Now listen, we get excited about this story because we know the end of the story, because the scripture gives us the whole picture. And so when we read through Ezekiel chapter 37, we, we, uh, we get excited about this story. But I want us to stop along the way here and I want us to consider some things. He said, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley that was full of dead bones. The Spirit of the Lord took me to an undesirable place. I mean, we read through this and we don't stop and think about what we're reading. The Spirit of the Lord took me to a smelly valley full of dead stuff. Can you imagine how that must have smelled and how that must have have, uh, appeared to Ezekiel as the Spirit of the Lord takes him and he sets them in this valley? That's how I felt about Fresno the whole time I was growing up. I love it now but I came to a place of maturity. When I was a child, I thought as a child, I behaved as a child, acted as a child, got in trouble like a child. (laughs) But I grew up. The Spirit of the Lord set him in an undesirable place. I've discovered something, believers. There's many times that God is trying to do a work in your life and He's trying to do a work in my life and whenever He's trying to do that work, He sets us in a situation and it feels for the moment undesirable and the first thing that we start doing is we start rebuking the enemy. We start getting on the enemy's case and that's all right you just keep on rebuking him he deserves it but the reality of it is we must discern whether or not the enemy's coming against us or God is doing a work in our life there's this great sickness across the minds of people because they were growing up in undesirable situations and they came through life and came to life from an undesirable place and and the whole time they're thinking about the fact that the the enemy has done this and the enemy has done that and that is true but from the moment that that situation arose God began to plan how to bring you out of that valley in victory But we spend our life being mad at him because he let it happen. Well, this story could read very differently if Ezekiel had have said immediately, what are you doing to me, God? Because that's where some of us live our lives. You are are around people all the time who are living their life with their fist clenched toward God because of the things that they've gone through and they're blaming him for what the enemy or for what, uh, what uh, life perpetrated upon them 
When the entire time, God is, in, in the mind of God, he's taking those circumstances and he's shaping them and he's forming them so that it brings that individual through to a place of victory. But they have to hear his voice to be able to come to that place of victory and to stop believing what, they're, what they think they're seeing, what they've assumed all of this means. Are you following that? And as long as we spend our life looking back on the undesirable moments with our fists clenched at God, saying, why did you let that happen to me? He can't bring release and relief and freedom and can't bring us to the place of full victory because we've got our mindset on being bitter about what happened instead of saying, okay, the word says God loves me, So if bad things happen to me and God loves me, then he's got a plan here to get me through this and on the other side of it to a place of victory. So we don't see Ezekiel immediately going, what are you doing with me? This is undesirable. This is smelly. This is ugly. I am walking. Literally, he says, he caused me to pass by them all around. God took him to the valley. See, we we don't put the timeline here. We don't know how long God had him walk around this valley of dead bones. But it says there, he caused me to go for a walk among them. He set me in the valley and said, take a walk, boy. And we're walking among dead things and among dry bones and among devastation. How many of you have ever lived in a place you felt like you were just in a place of constant devastation? Some of you, I know some of you, I know your history. I know you've lived years in devastation and come out on the other side of it because of the promise of God. There are others who just stay in devastation. Let's not stay in devastation when we have Jesus who wants to bring us out of those places of devastation. There's no point in being devastated. Listen, if, if walking with God is hard, I'm not saying there's not difficult seasons. Please don't misunderstand me. There are difficult seasons in everybody's life. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. Don't be afraid. I've overcome the world. In other words, you're not going to always have trouble. Well, if you always have trouble, the Bible says... I'm going I'm to throw you a curve here. Listen to me. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. So if you are in constant hardness, constant difficulty as a believer, from the time you come to Jesus, everything gets difficult and it just stays that way for 20 years, something God is trying to show you that you are transgressing. You are not, there's some place in your life where you're not coming willingly along or you're not understanding what God is trying to say. The way of the transgressor is hard. I love walking with God. I have joy in my life. I am excited about what God is doing. I am excited about how he is leading. And and there's times when it's difficult and there's times when he asks me to do things like being 14 days away from my family. I don't really relish that entirely. It's not an exciting thing to be away for 14 days, but, there, but he's sending a word for the kingdom that must take place for folks to come to freedom. And so we must be willing to endure hardness as a good soldier. But I'm having more fun going to heaven than I ought to. I mean, this is a blast. 
If living for God is not a blast, you haven't met the one that I'm serving. He's full of hilarity. And he laughs in the face of trouble because he knows the other side of it and how to navigate you through it. Some of y'all have got to spend some time laughing with God. He is not mad and he is not unhappy. His character is joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. His joy. That's his very character. So he wants to have some uplifting conversations with you. So he says, he caused me to take a walk. He caused me to pass by them all around. They were very many in an open valley. And then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I just love Ezekiel. He's a smart guy. He said, only you know. Right? That was a deep answer, right? Oh, Lord God, you know whether or not they can. What he was thinking was, I suppose if you're asking me that, they probably can, but, but I'm not going to go out on that limb. You know. But I want you to understand something from this story. God is asking you if you believe that the undesirable circumstances that you happen to be in for a time can change. That's what he was saying to Ezekiel. Can these circumstances change? Some of y'all have been living in some circumstances and you've been living there so long you've gotten comfortable and you've stopped asking God if they can change and he's been asking you and you're not even listening to the question. You've just accepted the circumstances. Hmm? Wipe those up for me. There's something on them. Whew. Some of you, and I'm going to say this for the sake of the podcast as well, because there's some folks that, that missed the time change or, or out of town and didn't get to, are, are going to hear this later. Some of you are staying in circumstances that God would bring you out of, but the question that he's asking you is, do you believe these circumstances can change? Do you believe I love you enough to change these circumstances? Do you believe that these bones can live? Can you look at dead things and believe for life? Thank you. First time God really gave me a picture of Church of Living Water uh, and what he wanted to achieve here many years ago now. He showed me, I, I preached from Ezekiel 47 until you guys were sick of it, and uh, he showed me uh, that river that comes out from the throne of God in Ezekiel 47, and, and, the, uh, and the banks of the river, and the Bible says that everything lives where the river flows, and there's just such flourishing, and, and in that vision that I had, people were just splashing around the water, we were being just obnoxious in the water, and the Lord was just saying, go, go play and be refreshed and enjoy, because everything lives where that river flows. 
And then at one point in that vision that, was, that, that went over the course of weeks that I kept, the Lord kept taking me back to that vision and showing me more things. And one day I saw him, uh, a picture of the Lord on this bank of the river, and all of a sudden he's not looking over the river at the children of God that are, that are playing and splashing in the water and enjoying the, the weather and everything. He's got his back to the river and he's looking out over the valley and, and, and from the banks of the river and I thought I all of a sudden I had this desire to know what he was looking at if he's looking at it if Jesus is looking at it maybe we ought to go see what he's looking at right so I crawled up the bank of the river in my mind you know I just went over uh, and I'm not one to say I had a vision but I had a vision from the Lord I went and stood with Jesus and I said Jesus what are you looking at and all of a sudden I saw him looking out over the valley and I understood it to be the San Joaquin Valley I mean that's what I understood we were looking at at our field and there were areas of the field that were well watered and groomed and growing and fruitful and then there were some areas of the field that are you, you anybody ever deal with hard pan if you've done any gardening at all or planted a tree when, when they planted those trees around the around the uh, play area out there, they had to bring in an auger and drill through a, a great deal of hard pan to get those trees so that their root would go down. And I saw this whole section of the valley and it was dead and dry and, and untilled and, and it wasn't serving any, anyone, any, doing anyone any good, wasn't being fruitful. And the Lord said, do you understand, Anthony? He's looking out over that section of the valley and he had tears in his eyes. I'm like, oh man, if, if, if this breaks your heart, Lord, it breaks mine. I don't even know yet what you're trying to tell me, but this breaks my heart. Because he said, I want that to be as fruitful as that. I want, when you're looking at the fruitful places, I want, I want the unfruitful places to be fruitful also. And so the Lord showed me the valley, and, and um, he uh, said, I hate to tell you, but, and I knew this, you know, that's where I've called you, Church of Living Water. I'm calling you Living Water because I'm taking you to dry places that need water. Does that not make sense? Why would he take us to places that were well watered if we're living water? So he said, but the promise was that furrows were going to go out and, and, and there was going to be a, a ditches dug and opportunities for living water, the source and the life of God to be poured out in those dry places and, uh, and I looked, as we walked down that bank, and, and he's showing me and saying, will you go? He gave me an opportunity to say no. Don't say no. So he said, will you go? And we're walking among those dry places, and we turn around, and I look back at this high bank of the river that we had crossed, and there were uh, pipes uh, with, with the big wheels that you turn to release the water, turnstiles that, that were up there. And he said, the intercessors are turning those. And living water is about to be poured out in this valley. And I have lived in that promise. Well, when Max got up and he preached from this passage of Scripture, he prophesied that... I, I remember when we first became senior pastors here, one of the Russian girls came in uh, from Sacramento and she prophesied to us. I didn't want to hear it. She said, this is a season of planting, not a season of harvest. Remember that? And it was wonderful to hear that there was a season of planting and she said, harvest will come. Well, when Max stood here two weeks ago on Sunday, he said, the season of harvest is upon you. 
Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Hallelujah. The season of harvest is upon you. It's, that means we've tilled the soil and we've dug the furrows and water's been poured out and now we're going to go and we're going to see fruit from our labors. It's time to receive the harvest. It's time to receive the harvest. Church of Living Water, we're getting ready to harvest. And the word of the Lord is always not just that you harvest where you've planted, but you'll harvest where you've not sowed. You'll, you'll, you'll uh, reap where you've not labored. That's the word of the Lord. So the so Church of Living Waters moved into a new season now. We're in a season of harvest. Here's the thing that I don't want you to miss from this. When God says to a church, you're in a season of harvest, who is he talking to? He's not talking to a building. He's not talking to a corporation. He's not talking to an organization. He's talking to the individuals that make up who that, the framework of who that house is. He's talking to the individuals who said, I'm the planting of the Lord in this place. He's talking to the individuals who become part of the ministry and part of the, the, the process of life called Church of Living Water. So when God says to this house, you're moving into a season of harvest, he's saying to every individual that is a part of this house, you're moving into a season of harvest. Can you receive that? Can you receive that? Well, what do you have to do? You're still looking around going, well, it seems so dry here. My life just seems so out of order. I'm taking... Three steps forward and then two steps back and then two steps forward and three steps back and that ain't accomplishing anything. Can these bones live? You've been walking among some dead places. Can these places produce life? Mm, I'm talking to a room full of life producers right now. I mean it. But see, what he had to do was he had to learn what God was saying. He said, prophesy to the bones. Say to the dead things, say to the dead situation what I am saying. Say what I'm saying. Listen, we've learned in the last quarter, we've learned we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God kicked the devil out and brought us in. That's what the word tells us. We're seated with him in heavenly places. So we have the potential to see what he sees. We have the potential to hear what he's saying. We have the potential to participate with God in what he's doing because we're seated there with him. Nobody likes to hear a preacher with a pasty mouth. She got very excited about that, didn't she? <laughs> so he said, prophesy to these bones and say, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh on you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you will live. You shall know that I am the Lord. Do you know what we do? You know how we prophesy to, to, how we tend to prophesy to dead things? Well, I don't know if I'm, uh, maybe I ought to get around to burying this. Some of y'all are raising children and grandchildren and you're going, you're looking at that child and you're going, you're driving me crazy. You're always in trouble. You're always 
getting things messed up. Will you ever learn? Will you stop prophesying that to your children? Just stop it. You're going to work and you're on your way to work. Oh God, I have to go listen to him again. Comes into my office one more time. You're prophesying. See, this is what we don't understand about our words. The Bible says that our words, the tongue, is a very powerful member and that it, that it will stir a fire. And you are with your tongue stirring a fire and then asking God why the situation is the way that it is. Stop prophesying that stuff. Go to your prayer closet. Take that situation before the Lord. Ask Him to show you what He sees and start saying that. Listen, if I, if I had just said what my flesh would want to say every time one of my children was being difficult, I would not be able to tell you that my children are serving the Lord. I would have embittered them toward the house of the Lord with my flesh. But when you take your children before the Lord and you begin to see them the way God sees them, so I was talking about children. Jesse walked into her. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> Embarrassed him. He ran away. When you begin to see your circumstances the way God sees them, that's not enough. You must begin to say over them what God is saying. God has been trying to flourish some folks financially and over your finances, you continually go, well, another month where there's less money than there is month. And you say it before you even get there. Instead of living in the anticipation of what God may be doing behind the scenes, trying to bring increase, trying to give you a job that will actually produce something for you, he said he'd bless the work of your hands and he will open that, the, the employment that you need to be blessed. But you put your trust in the Lord. Now, I wonder how many times folks go down uh, to apply for jobs and before they get there, they're, well, I probably won't get it. I'll bet there's somebody applying for this that's more qualified than I am. They might be more qualified, but they shouldn't be more blessed. You're walking with Jesus? Come on. Preach with me a little bit. You ought to go in there and say, listen, you hire me, I'll be praying the blessing of the Lord over you. And if they go, I don't want to hear that stuff, that's not the job you want. You'll be blessed if I come and work for you. Because Jesus likes me. He don't just love me, he likes me. Listen, it's the truth. It's the truth. So God asked him if, the if he believed that the circumstances could change. And then God commanded him to prophesy over the undesirable circumstances the things that the Lord was saying about them. That's all prophecy is. When, when the Lord said to 
I'm going to pick on you, Cherish. When the Lord said to Cherish this morning, God's healing broken places in you. From now on, anytime she feels that heaviness, she's going to say, no, 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 the Lord said he's healing that broken place in me. I'm not walking in heaviness regarding that anymore. Because I heard what God said, right? Yes, amen. So God commanded me, he said, God commanded me to prophesy to the undesirable circumstances, and then God stated his motivation. God's motivation is always the same. The motivation, then you will know that I am the Lord. Well, what is Lord? If he's the Lord, it means you're not. If he has governance over your life, then it means you don't. Oh, you're quiet. If he has rule over your life, then it means you don't. So when undesirable circumstances arise before you fall apart, it might be wise to find out what Father is saying about it. And, and you might need some help with that. I mean, that might not be a process that, that, that you might be in a situation where you need some believers to pray with you. Walk you through. That's why we have prayer teams. You can go up and say, man, I'm facing something. I have no clue what to do about this. And immediately, a word of faith comes up in a believer because iron sharpens iron. We build one another up. We're joints that supply. And so God will give someone the promise that you need to hear to take you through that circumstance, that undesirable place that you're walking among. So that you can begin to say what God is saying. So he says in verse 7, I prophesied as I was commanded. I prophesied there was a noise and suddenly there was rattling and bones came together bone to bone. Another thing this does not tell you. He did not say immediately. We don't know how long he walked among those bones. God told him, take a walk among the bones. Then God said, prophesy to the bones. I don't know if he had to go from one end of the valley to the other prophesying. I don't, if he had looked at circumstances, the minute that he opened his mouth, he would have probably shut up and went home. Let's not be that guy. Well, I prophesied and nothing happened. Prophesy again! Declare what he's saying. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, we do this all the time. We do this all the time. In an undesirable circumstance, we get a hold of a little bit of faith in the Word of God and we say, well, God's my provider. We go to the mailbox and there's nothing in there and we go, well, it must have not worked for me. Well, how come it has to come in the mail? How come God has to do it your way? He hasn't done it my way yet. I've been walking with the Lord my whole life. He's never done it my way. Never. He expects me to trust Him. That's His plan. So He doesn't do it my way. Remember that air conditioner that I told you went out? When we finally replaced that air conditioner, it was going to be several thousand dollars. I sent a $500 payment to that company for that air conditioner. I, I pleaded with them, give me 90 days to pay for it because it was expensive. They, gave me, they put it in and said, same as 90 days. I sent a $500 payment to that company. 
And I was just believing God that when it's time to send the next one, I'd send it. So a few weeks later, I sent another $500 payment to that company. They sent it back. And they said, this debt's been paid. This is paid off. And I said, how is it paid off? I sent you $500. She goes, I don't know, but let's believe the paperwork. I said, hallelujah, I'll keep my $500. Thank you. See, we could have just been all tore up about all oh, the air conditioners out and what are we going to do and oh my God. And we just walked by faith through the circumstance and God met the need in a supernatural way that we still to this day cannot explain. Do I need to explain God? No. I just need to trust Him. So I prophesied. So I did what I was instructed. And there was a noise of rattling and the bones came together bone and bone. Indeed, I looked and sinew and flesh was coming upon them. The skin covered them. I obeyed. And when I, what I declared came to pass. Now, at this point, he has bone, sinew, flesh, and they're laying there dead. How many of you got halfway through a process and walked away in frustration? How many times has God been trying to do something in our life and before the work is completed, we're like, well, I thought. Are you following this? I thought that God was doing something here. No, 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 there's, there's another step to take. So the Lord says, prophesy breath. Prophesy life to this dead situation. I'm going I'm to help you with something. I don't know how long this process took, but I have never begun to prophesy life over dead things. I have never begun to speak life over circumstances where I, that I saw as unfruitful circumstances and have it happen in a timeline that I considered reasonable. Because God lives outside of time. He's not watching anybody's clock. God is not a clock watcher. Oh, Lord, if you don't move, they're going to come and get the car. Lord, if you don't move, everything's going to fall apart by 12 o'clock on Tuesday. 12.01, you're going, where's God in my life? He ain't watching your clock. I obeyed. I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he says to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Now he started talking to him about what all this means. I prophesied, skin came on them, there they lay dead. Then I prophesy again, and life comes to dead things. And a lot of times when that happens, we turn and we go, oh, wasn't God good? And off we go. <coughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> We're just rejoicing in the good things of God. But, but there's one more conversation to be had. He wants to tell us what his intentions were. We're like, oh, Lord, you fixed this for me. And then we get... Three months down the road and we're in the same situation again and he's needing to fix it again because we never got out of it what he wanted us to get. So we got to make the lap again. 
Let God finish the conversation that he has started with you. He has started a conversation with you. Let him finish the conversation that he has started with you. So he says to them, I want you to listen to this. We've got a few minutes here and I want to give you this. Prophesy and say to them, he says, he says well, verse 11. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. We ourselves are cut off. God began to explain to Ezekiel he says, then, then, then he explained to me, this is what Ezekiel is saying to you. Let me put it in today's English. He explained to me that I was prophesying his plans to the culture around me. God explained to me, Ezekiel said, that he was having me prophesy to the way the people that he loved were seeing themselves. You have been put among people in this valley who are saying things about themselves and seeing themselves the way Israel was seeing themselves in that day. Our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. How many of y'all know somebody that just lives in hopelessness? Just constantly in hopelessness? And then you go run, oh Lord, here they come again. No, get over there and be the voice of God. Quit running from those people. So he says to Ezekiel, our they, they're saying to themselves, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost. We have been cut off. Do you know what that statement is? We've been cut off. Israel, the, people of, the chosen people of God, were saying God doesn't want us anymore. Every one of you knows somebody who believes that God doesn't want them that God doesn't have time for them, that God doesn't care about what's going on in their life. They're saying, I'm cut off. So this is what the Lord says, then prophesy to them and say, thus saith the Lord our God, behold my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves, from that dead place that you're living in. I will cause you to come up and bring you into the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, when I brought you up. What he's saying, when I brought you out of that place where you're saying, we are dry, we are dead, we are cut off, we are destroyed, we are forgotten. When you, when you uh, see what I do, among you, you will no longer say I am dry, I'm cut off, I'm forgotten, the Lord has abandoned me in this place. I, you, you will no longer say that because, here's his motivation, you will know that I am the Lord. Some of you are living in those kinds of places, in your own mind, in your own environment. Some of you have people around you that are living in, in those places that have that frame of mind that they are cut off from God, that he wants nothing to do with them, that they, that they are destroyed, that they are just living dead men. That's what Israel was saying. We're destroyed. We're cut off. And he says to Ezekiel, now, he, what he's saying to Ezekiel now, leave this valley and you go prophesy to my people. You're not cut off. You're not forgotten. God's going to bring life into your situation if you'll let him. 
prophesy and declare the purposes of God to the culture, to the people around you, and see that, that see themselves dried up and destroyed and without hope and cut off. Church of Living Water, this is our harvest. You have a harvest. You must harvest. You have children and grandchildren and extended family members that think God wants nothing to do with them. And the reason you'll know that they think God wants nothing to do with them because when you mention God, they're like, don't, don't, I don't even want to hear it. Because they've long since concluded that they're cut off. But you pray for a season of openness so that you can prophesy the promises of God to them and you love them and you pray for them until the Lord opens that door and brings you harvest in that situation. I challenge you as a people, I challenge you as a church, in order for God to bring you the harvest that He's promising you, you must be willing to go to the valley of dry bones. You must be willing to go to the broken places. You must be willing to go to the people that, have, uh, that believe that God has forgotten them. You must be willing to open your mouth and prophesy. You have a harvest. I see the day in this church where you are walking in the door and you've got someone in tow and you're like, Pastor, this is one of my disciples. This is a person that I led to the Lord. I'm getting ready to, to take them through discipleship. I'm getting ready to see them rooted and grounded in the things of God. This is someone that God has given me for the sake of the kingdom. I, I see the day when, when many of you are walking through the door and in tow, someone's coming behind you and you're telling me, I just led them to the Lord this week. I just brought him the promises of God and I have harvest. Don't just apply that to the lost. Some of y'all have dead places in your life. You need harvest. But you must prophesy what he is saying. And you have to stop. Listen, I'm going I'm to speak very directly to you as a pastor this morning. You have to stop vacillating between belief and unbelief. You have to stop bouncing back and forth between God wants to do good things for me. God loves me. God cares about me. Oh God, have you forgotten me? Where, where are you at in all of this? Stop that. I can almost remember the day, certainly not, 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 the, not the calendar day, but the, the environment, the day that I discovered, really discovered in my heart of hearts that Jesus loved me that I am precious to him. That he wants to bless my socks off. That he wants, it's a father's good pleasure. I learned most of that by raising children because I discovered how joyful it is to give good things to those kids. And then I realized when God begins to say, Anthony, just like you feel about those little ones that I put around you, I feel the same way about you. And some of you that are listening to me this morning and some of you that will be listening on the podcast, you must discover that He loves you. But that He also likes you. And that if there's anything about you that He wants to change, that, 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 he's, that he, he's only wanting you to discover that for your freedom. That the favor of the Lord maybe over you. That you would get to the place that you're not just saying with your head, but you're knowing in your heart you are favored of God.